This episode is brought to you by CK Lynn Mindset Coaching for Leaders, Entrepreneurs, and High Achievers. Whatever neurotic thoughts, persistent anxieties, unhealthy obsessions you have are interfering with your decision-making ability. More than holding you back from building a high-impact organization, these neurotic thoughts are costing your confidence, health, relationships, and fun. Having a clear mind will empower you to tap into your true potential and achieve extraordinary results with more ease and freedom. If you're ready for and committed to a full transformation, visit www.talkwithck.com and apply for a free clarity session today. My whole body filled with energy. You know, it's like that saying apparently in the Bible, you know, if thy eye be single, your whole body will be filled with light or something like that. Mm. So it was like I was sensing all of the internals of my body in this like pink crackling, super powerful energy. And I was thinking, okay, this is different. Like something happened here. Anyway, long story short, it was, it was an incredibly energetic, powerful experience. I was hearing what sounded like a jet engine going off in my head. It was just this powerful. And I'm basically on the land, launch pad, but I don't know what to do. I, there was a lot of quote-unquote exit techniques that she talked about, and I forgot. And the only thing I remembered was that she had said that the, the out-of-body experience is a thought-responsive thing. And so I just yelled in my mind, I want out! <laughs> There was this pop. And the next thing I knew, there was this perspective of literally as aware as I am with you right now of looking down from the corner of my bedroom, at which point I proceeded to be essentially, you know, yelling expletives in my head like, this is real. Wow. This was not, this was not BS. This is as real as it gets. I'm excited today to have Ray with us today. Ray is an entrepreneur, an investor, um, a student of human potential, um, a biohacker, uh, just a master of many different domains. And in the last few minutes where we kind of hang, hung out, he shared with me a lot of um, the different books, the different practices that he has. So I can't wait for him to share his story and his disciplines as a way to open up his heart and share more of himself to the world. So welcome to the show, Ray. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, brother. Yeah. So why don't we actually jump right in? <clears throat> start off by this you know, delicious coffee that you made. You, know, you can start off from, from the very, very tactical. Sure. So you, there's a lot of concoction that you put in there. There's things that I haven't seen before. So <laughs> tell us what's in it and why you put in it. Um, basically, I uh, found a gentleman here in Vancouver who runs a uh, place called the Coco Monk. Mm. And he's extremely passionate about sourcing the highest grade cacao. And uh, I've drinking, I've, I've had a lot of cacao in my life, but this particular cacao that he sources, uh, you know, there's no intermediary. He goes directly to the farmer and he finds uh, specific genotypes of the, of the cacao. And, uh, you know, it's like a sommelier in terms of wine. He, he has this <laughs> ability to just, and the first time I drank his, uh, cocoa in the shop, I, I felt, uh, you know, my body just, you know, amping up a bit. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, I think cacao is a, uh, sacred medicine. If I'm not mistaken, you know, there's this term theobroma, uh, is, is like, you know, it's, it's related to the gods in the, in the, uh, 
the Mayan and Aztec way of thinking. Um, and so it's, it's a very heart opening medicine, but most of us humans just think of it as something good to eat, you know, cacao. Mm. Um, in a, in a biohacking term, uh, I add uh, uh, espresso beans to it and uh, blend them all up in a, in a essentially like a bulletproof coffee. It's got uh, MCT oil and, and grass-fed butter, the usual, um, and you know nuts, just almond butter. Sometimes I add in cashews and other things, pistachios. Uh, you know, I like to mix it up daily, have a little bit of different flavor profiles. Uh, this particular one we have, the beans are from Madagascar, and sometimes. Uh, getting it from Nicaragua or Fiji or various places that he sources. And I just trust his guidance on that. Mm, <laughs> yeah. Mm. And what's the benefit? What do you do it for? For cognitive or for a heart opening? Both, what do you do it for? both honestly. Uh, I, I tend to uh, be on the keto diet, as many people are familiar with. Uh, I find that that, you know, reduces inflammation in my body. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, it's fascinating, the keto diet, I got on it less from a ego standpoint of uh, I want to look good, which is, you know, part of the the rationale a lot of times, you know, you, you can burn a lot of fat, obviously you get into ketosis and your body is preferentially burning fat as an energy source. But um, I'm very interested in human consciousness and uh, I realized, oh, that's interesting. So most of my life, uh, my brain has been running off of, uh, you know, uh, uh, a certain energy source, but uh, you can have these ketone bodies essentially giving it a different power source. And I thought, well, that's fascinating. Right? Well, what, what, what is my consciousness? What, what will my cognition be like? And, uh, you know, I found it to be more clear um, when I'm in deep ketosis and I'm uh, on a regimen of doing a lot of cardio, mm. I find that my there's a certain greater zest for life and a, and a higher desire to learn. Mm. Uh, a, a, lot, a likeness. Yeah, you could say that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's just one of many tools, but, uh, so yeah, it, it tends to be my breakfast and I don't generally eat anything solid until after the, uh, the trading day ends. So these days, uh, I tend to do uh, day trading. So I'm in front of that large setup you saw. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, it was very impressive. It's uh, got a lot of monitors. It's like being in the Matrix. Yeah, yeah, seven screens or something. Yeah, yeah and they're all like 32 inch. They're, they're, it's, it took a lot of, that's that setup has uh, been evolving mm. over the last two years. Come October, I'll have been doing this essentially full time, two mm. years. Mm. Uh -huh. It's become really lucrative and it's, uh, you know, we can talk about this too if, if it comes to that, but I'm, I'm also a student of, you know, what you might call abundance mentality. Mm. And uh, I think mm. that it's an important thing to understand both for oneself and for the planet because, you know, we're, we're taking from essentially from Mother Earth mm. resources, usually with the idea that, you know, they're scarce. And if I have some of it, you can't have some of it. But, uh, you know, these days ideas are capital too. Mm. <laughs> and uh, so... Yeah, that's just another passion of mine we can get into, but uh, yeah. Mm. So, while we're in that topic, why don't we just jump sure, right in? Sure, sure. <clears throat> uh, so, so one thing that you said to me before we started recording was, we're all one together, mm. and then we're here, you know, this separation is uh, is uh, our illusions, right? So speak more about that and actually tie that into the abundance mentality, if you don't mind. 
Sure. I've never thought of it specifically in that way, but yeah, uh, you know, all these, what may seem platitudes to some people, I believe are operationally true that, you know, all is one. And, uh, in, in the deeper states I've accessed, you know, it's very clear. It's, it's a felt sense of unity with all that is. And, uh, I, I'm by training, I'm, I, I have a degree in electrical engineering and I, I took graduate level quantum physics and, you know, I, I like to look to both the ancient traditions and what I call, or what I've heard referred to as deep structure. Like, so if you, if you were to look at, you know, the, uh, saints and sages, let's say of, of all the different traditions, <clears throat> ultimately it comes down to that, this simple thing, uh, that, you know, in Sanskrit, they say, tatvam asi, thou art that. And, uh, so from the, uh, Aldous Huxley wrote a great book, the, the perennial, perennial philosophy, where he basically examined all the major religions and he boils it down to that. He says the most succinct way of stating, you know, this, this deeper underlying truth is that we're all one. And, uh, I think science tells us that in different ways. Uh, but many of us don't, many modern humans don't want to, you know, interpret it as such. Uh, but if you think about, the Big Bang. It was a singularity of essentially no dimensions. There was no space-time to speak of. And all that is now, me sitting here, you sitting across from me, and the uh, iterative reverse of that, you sitting, looking at me, where I like to say, I am I, you are you, we are we, infinitely, recursively. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this this energy of the Big Bang uh, essentially went from a pure singularity. Singularity means one, right? They literally say this, it's a singularity. And it, it expanded and it, it became multiplicity, right? But it was all one energy that became different matter forms. Mm. And so, you know, what is your, the koan, what is your face before you were born? Um, you know, we think of ourselves as having a specific origin into life as, as having been born as a baby, but like, mm. you know, you can, you can trace your origin back to the stars, right? Like mm. there's mm. in your right leg there, there's elements that were formed in the death, uh, cries of a, of a supernova, mm -hmm. which is the only way that these heavy elements get made. Mm -hmm. And in your other leg, there may be from a different star. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there is that sense to which you have origin that goes beyond your birth. It goes to the stars. Mm -hmm. Um, so this, again, a lot of people will think of it as a platitude or a cliche to say, you know, you're a child of the stars, but it's, it's very, Figuratively it's scientifically accurate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am so fascinated by it, but I mean like the, 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 the elements that form us were, they essentially bounced off the core of a neutron star. It was like, you know, gravity when a, when a star goes supernova, the, the, the gravity brings this, these elements and it smashes them down and then it, they explode offwards. Right. And so there's, there's a sense to which I've bounced off a neutron star, you know, I mean, I, I'm not saying this in an ego way, but it's like, that's what we are. And be before that, the big bang and who knows what before, but literally all that we are is something that came from quote unquote, nothing. 
And so this is then how I would tie that into abundance is that, you know, so much of our, our call it scientific materialism presupposes this idea that there's only so much matter to grow around. There's only so much resources. And yet all that is, all that we see, all this manifest existence is an outgrowth of what essentially was by a scientific way of looking at it, nothing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just think humanity in general, we need to wake up to this infinite creative potential that as far as we know, we, we as humans, uh, are the leading edge of that, uh, evolution. And so, you know, I think we need to take responsibility for who we are as that leading edge of evolution and make less excuses in our own lives. And then, you know, try to be, uh, you know, greater servants of this amazing process that's unfolding with and through us. Mm. How do you operationalize that idea? Uh, How do you implement that into your your reality or your relationship, let's say, with your wife or the professional endeavors that you do? Because part of the, the intention of this podcast is not just, is my intention anyway, we don't just want to talk about intellectual ideas sure. but i also want to hear yeah. how people actually implement their core values into their daily lives right yeah. you know yeah. how do we actually connect the the esoterics sure yeah, to our day-to-day because for, for the materialist listening to this is like this is whatever yeah Ooh, i don't yeah, understand sure. this is uh, my day-to-day and yeah. for the people who are really into spirituality like i am is saying like yeah this is awesome i mean i, I want to actually create that bridge between the two worlds Beautiful. so to speak right so so i would say that this is similar to that uh phrase chop wood carry water right mm. so we can all go into the philosophical and the higher realms shall we say and you can get lost there. You can be ungrounded. However, as I said, we're supposed to be, you know, call it vehicles of, uh, of, you know, source or whatever you want to call it, right? There's, there's a thousand names, uh, for this, but, uh, in order to do that, it's actually done in the real world. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for myself, uh, I believe in this idea of transmission as we talked about earlier, right? And, this goes to the, the kind of things that like Gandhi said, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. So in my current way of looking at, you know, reality, this is just my way of seeing it. Now we as humans, uh, emanate essentially energy at a level that most people don't see. Right. Um, but there are ways in which it's proven scientifically that your, your heart creates a strong magnetic field, something on the order of 5,000 times greater than your brain. And, there is energy and information actually carried on this. And so, for example, right now, let's say you and I sitting here, there's a way in which I hope that through my being, through the things I've done in life and the, and the, the intent I share, some of my heart field goes out to you and, you know, gives this unspoken gift of, of whatever it is I've endeavored to learn, right? So there's a way in which literally just by being in a room with other people, uh, and through the way you speak and through uh, your actions and just literally your very core being, you're able to share this kind of consciousness. So that's one way. It's, it's literally the, the, to me, it's the beginning way. You have to uh, 
well, with respect to abundance, for example, and this is like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but you, you have to take care of the self first. You actually have to take care of your own physical body so that when you're in vibrant health and uh, you actually have, you know, all your, let's say your bills taken care of and all these things that could pose as distractions, uh, you know, it's, it's biblical in the, say, in, in the sense of when you say, you know, make your cup runneth over. So when your cup runneth over, all that's left is to give, right? And uh, so, yeah, for myself, I would say that uh, one way in which some of this uh, translates into, into daily life, uh, and let's talk about the, the abundance way of looking at this, is that, uh, you know, going on, I guess now, 12 years ago, uh, for example, I, I first watched the movie The Secret. And there were a lot of things that just seemed so far out in that. Uh, but there were, they also sort of rang true at some level in my soul. And uh, I was going through a hard time in my life at that point. I had, uh, as you may know, I had, uh, I had a business that, uh, it was good, but, uh, we, you know, most of the value was in the business at that point. We were, we were paying ourselves salaries. Uh, this was a, a uh, thing for men to do better with women. We had at the time the largest website in the world on that. And, but there was some part of it that had become a little bit empty and I didn't know what. And, uh, and I also had gone to try to, to do day trading. And I started in September of, uh, 2008, which I think we could safely say in the modern era was the worst possible time to start doing day trading. And I subsequently blew up and pretty much lost all my money. And I knew I had to go back into industry and I was looking for a job. And long story short, I watched the movie The Secret for 30 days in a row, like as a lullaby, like, Mm. just it it was it's very to me it's very uh peaceful right there's a lot of nice music a lot of feel good you like the transmission yeah i got a good transmission from it and uh that led to some uh extremely synchronistic events wherein i i met my life partner reen mm. and uh but i stopped doing the day training because i blew up and i went back into uh working in nanotechnology i was repairing transmission electron microscopes and uh that was beautiful. I mean, I, I really, there's a book there I could show you. It's uh, all about transmission, electron microscopy. Actually, you can look back and see that there's that blue book there, <laughs> uh, off to your right there, uh, on the other shelf and down a little bit. Yeah. Hmm. And actually the notebook above that is my uh, quantum mechanics notebook. Um, so these things are, I, I really enjoy it as a geek. Like I can get into this stuff. Right. Like, I love, you know, the mathematics of it. Um, mm. but uh, I'm getting far afield, but what I wanted to say with respect to this is that all these things I learned about uh, abundance, and I actually wound up writing my own book on it. I, I'm not currently in the midst of selling it or anything, but uh, I called it uh, The Seven Laws of Abundance. Mm. Love to see it. Yeah, well, it's not in physical. Actually, it is in physical form. I'll show it to you later. I, sure. I have a printout of it. But through the things I learned in that, um, about two years ago, I decided to try my hand at like full-time stock trading again. And it wasn't that I had uh, better technical knowledge because you need to know technicals and fundamentals to trade stocks. But it, a lot of it was this abundance mentality applied to stock trading. So, for example, um, one of my laws is simply uh, that you know, ripples create waves. It's this idea of compounding gains. And... I basically traded stocks with the idea of just simply trying to apply that compound, right? 
little gains adding up. Instead of, in the past, I was always shooting for this big gain, right? The home run that was going to like, you know, make my day. The 10x. Know? Yeah, 10x, like, you know. Mm -hmm. And over time, you know, I started with a small account and well, I would say now, I think I'm up to 16x my original capital uh, from two years ago. Mm. And, you know, if I continue compounding at that rate, it's going to be ridiculous. It gets a little harder, but nonetheless, I've become a extremely proficient stock trader now. And it's just simply applying these ideas uh, and understanding at the, at the base level. I, I like to say I want to be in the path of abundance, right? Mm -hmm. So not only is that self-created, right? Mm -hmm. God helps those who help themselves, but I also essentially tap into the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the lack of a better word, the unseen, the, the, the divine imagination, the flow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The Tao. And mm -hmm. there are times where things happen very synchronistically. I happen to look to this monitor and I see a little piece of information that it's like it called to me. And then I get in that position and, you know, a lot of profit ensues. Within financial markets, there's always fluctuations, right? It's the same as right now in, in the vacuum of space. There's uh, virtual particles appearing and disappearing, right? There's, there's sources constantly creating. It's constantly having uh, vibrations up and down. And with respect to producing abundance, it's like, I just want to be in the right place at the right time always. So that's a different modality that I had where I was trying to take something from the market. Instead, I'm like opening myself up to be where the abundance is flowing in each moment. Mm -hmm. I, I formulate this mathematically uh, as for anyone who's a math geek like me, the, the limit as delta T approaches zero of delta C over delta T, which delta C is like a change in your consciousness, right? In, in each and every moment, we can be aware. Mm -hmm. And as that time interval of awareness goes to zero, the, the, the way they formulate this in calculus is that the result is infinite, mm -hmm. right? So when you can be present in every moment, you're, you, you've opened yourself to the infinite. Mm -hmm. You're taking these time intervals and just, yeah. So I'm going to stop myself there, but, uh, I would say, if I'm, if I recall your original question on this, it's like, yeah, I, there was a point in my life where I started what kind of kicked all off, all this off really deeply for me was in November of 2013, uh, I had my first out of body experience mm -hmm. and it radically shifted what I thought was true about reality. What caused it? Well, it, uh, it was, it was deliberate in the sense that, uh, well, first I'll go back to my college years where I walked into an old bookstore and I saw this uh, Llewellyn book on, on astral projection. Mm. And it shows this woman sitting up out of her body in like a, a ghostly looking way. Mm. And there was something that hit inside that like, oh, that seems, you know, possible. And I picked, I got the book, I read it, I tried it. It, it was ridiculous. There's all these like rituals and you had to do it at the, at, at the time of the full moon. Mm -hmm. And uh, long story short, it never worked. And plus I was studying electrical engineering. So I didn't have the time to like actually try it. Mm -hmm. So fast forward something like 15 some years and I'm, I'm uh, at this convention. Uh, it's sort of a spiritual thing. And I'm there mainly just to look at the art. And I see there's a two hour workshop on how to have the out of body experience. And I thought, you know, I've actually never met anyone who, who who's had that. 
you know, never anyone told me I've had an out-of-body experience. Literally, at least in my adult life, I think. You know, I grew up in Taos, New Mexico, by the way. So I, I do think that I came across some, some interesting humans there that may, may have done some tr transmission to me. Uh, but anyway, I, I thought, you know what? It's worth 50 bucks to hear another human actually state that they've had an out-of-body experience or, or tell you how to do it. Mm. So I go to this thing and I, I think I had this impression that there would be a woman uh, or a, a, a person, it turned out to be a woman, uh, like someone dressed in flowing robes or kind of like foofy. It was totally like, almost business clothing. Uh, a woman who worked for the city of Vancouver as an engineer, mm. Russian woman, rather dry presentation, just very factual on like, here's the <laughs> techniques you would do to do this. No passion, anything, no like, you know, nothing. There was a little bit of an upsell to a greater course, but I was like, wow, she really believes she's had this. And so at the end, she opened it up to questions. And I'm like, yeah, um, can you tell me about any of your own experiences? Because she didn't, she didn't say any of that, you know, it was, oh, it was theoretical. Yeah, she's just talking about how it happens. And suddenly her eyes brightened. And this prior dry presentation, she's like, yeah, I, she went into all these things. She said, you know, I, I'd always wanted to imagine what it was like to walk on the moon. And in one of my experiences, I went to the moon. And I, I, I jumped around and I felt the low gravity and I felt like the soft sand and like whatever that is. And I just thought, wow, like this is genuine emotion. This is like, she should have led with this for me, you know, mm -hmm. like if she was a good market or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like, it was my question that drew out from her what was in my perception, genuine experience. So it helped me believe a bit more in it. And at the time, I was, for whatever reason, waking up at that hour that they call the thin hour, you know, the veil is thinnest, uh, you know, the 4, 4 a.m. hour, which I've come to understand that, you know, our bodies naturally produce uh, dimethyltryptamine at that time of, of, of night. I mean, it produces it all the time in very, very low levels. But if there's any time at which it's likely to happen most naturally, it's due to the fact that we're in we're in REM breathing at that time. Rapid eye movement breathing is is a very specific type of breathing. <laughs> um, and the breath uh, catalyzes a, uh, an enzyme in our lungs called N-methyltransferase, which can transfer methyl groups onto tryptamine, which comes from our brothers and sisters, the plants. Uh, it does it twice and you have dimethyltryptamine. So you're in a profoundly altered state at that time. The problem is most of us don't remember it. I'm of the opinion now that we all actually have ex experiences of quote unquote out of body. It's a different kind of consciousness, uh, but they're of a subtle, more refined nature where it, it, it's often the case that you don't bring that back with you. Just the same way we all probably dream every night and forget those dreams. Anyway, long story short, uh, two nights later, I woke up and I kind of tried some of the things she was talking about and whew, man, even now, um, yeah, it was like I had never had a, a, a psychedelic experience in my life. I'd, you know, this was shattering, man. It's like basically my whole energy body woke up. I didn't know what was going on, but it, it I, I sleep with an eye mask on, uh, part of my biohacking and earplugs. Uh, and basically my whole body filled with energy. You know, it's like that saying apparently in the Bible, you know, if that eye be single, your whole body will be filled with light or something like that. Mm. So it was like I was sensing all of the internals of my body in this like pink crackling, super powerful energy. And I was thinking, okay, this is different. Like something happened here. 
Um, the technique, by the way, involves imagining that your your hand, and you stay still through this, but you imagine that your 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 hand is starting to rise out of your own hand. So it's almost like a uh, energy body version of your hand is starting to like gradually come out like this. And after a while, if you feel a, a sensation that's sort of like as if your hand was moving through a gauze or a cotton candy, at that moment, then you know, you, you intensify it and you really try to like get the whole thing out. Anyway, long story short, it was, it was an incredibly energetic, powerful experience. I was hearing what sounded like a jet engine going off in my head. It was just this powerful and I'm basically on the land launch pad, but I don't know what to do. I, there was a lot of quote unquote exit techniques that she talked about and I forgot. And the only thing I remembered was that she had said that the, the out of body experience is a thought responsive thing. And so I just yelled in my mind, I want out. <laughs> pop. There was this pop. And the next thing I knew, there was this perspective of literally as aware as I am with you right now of looking down from the corner of my bedroom. At which point I proceeded to be essentially, you know, yelling expletives in my head like, this is real. Wow. This was not, this was not BS. This is as real as it gets. And I kind of floated around my apartment and uh, I had recalled, she said, you could go through walls. So I went through a wall and I wound up, <laughs> quote unquote, you know, I, I'm not dogmatic about what this experience is, but it's an experience just mm -hmm. as we're experiencing something right now. Mm -hmm. I had the experience in that moment of floating and flying like Superman around the neighbor's apartment and then I had this moment of guilt. I'm like, it's so real that you, you simply say, wow, I, I shouldn't be in someone else's apartment. Mm. Uh, and uh, yeah, I tried to leave and the, the, the dream construct or whatever that is uh, started breaking apart. And uh, I was trying to like go through the door and my hand got stuck in their door. <laughs> and then, then it became more dreamlike to the point where I, I basically was panicking to get out and I, I, exploded their door or something <laughs> and the next day i had to go and look like is their door okay it, it seems weird to say this to you now but that's how real it seemed i was like mm. what really happened there and that kicked off you know years and years of just going down the rabbit hole with this stuff um as an aside i i then got on something called uh, vancouverfloorplans.com and i'd never been in their apartment but the floor plan everything i saw was exactly as it is mm they're different units in this building. And so, mm. you know, it floored me, it floored me. Um, mm. So actually on that note, I'm doing t something totally opposite of what I normally would do. Mm. Uh, what I normally do is the rituals and, you know, isolation and bugs and stay in my head. And so I'm doing this total opposite, which is isolation in nature, mm. microdosing, na national parks. Oh, beautiful. Because I've never been I'm a vision quest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but my own self-creative vision class. Oh. So um, part of my concern was how much, since I'm by myself, yeah. there's no safety container guardian per se. Yeah. So um, so I'm gonna start off slow rather than like heroic dose, which is again normally what I'll do is heroic dose, jump right in. But McKenna, yeah, McKenna always said you should just do the hero dose, but I don't know that's true. Like. Uh, you know, I think there's a level at which it's it's good to let our psyche, like, you know, develop. That's, think of the Tao, right? Mm. The Tao 
shows that all things occur of their own nature. And so a flower growing comes out of the ground and it takes its time mm. and it evolves and it evolves and then gradually the flower opens, you know. Mm. Um, and it's true, there's, there's in, in, you know, Zen Buddhism, you have Satori and Kensho, these like mm -hmm. sudden awakenings, but those probably were preceded in, in that way of looking at reality by, you know, our, our karma. And, and so you don't want to take a flower and be like, like trying to make it open, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So for myself, it's like, that's the thing. There's no, there's no hurry in all of this. It's like, mm. we're already awakened. We just forgot you know so there's nothing lacking in the mm -hmm. current moment you know mm -hmm. so however we feel intuitively called to do things if you want to be a hero and, and take a hero dose then that's probably what you would need to do but if you also feel like going gentle into that good night that's also the right thing mm -hmm. my perspective yeah for sure i think <clears throat> the ego of my at least for me as an engineer i want the most effective the most efficient the sure, sure. You know, the most accelerated yeah, as yeah. a way to path to get the results yeah so then i'll my ego ego and mike would say yeah you know one gram is awesome but i want to go faster let's go two yeah. i want to go faster let's go three i want to go faster let's go five i want to go faster let's go to ten and then i think part of it is also to tamper with that you know just allow the natural process the progression to grow uh its natural way without judgment and without trying to you know hurry up let's go faster so yeah. i think that ties in also nicely as at least for me the conversation about abundance too because part of it you know there's my ego and mike is saying like but my friend who is 27, he's achieved you know, billion dollar status, this and that. And then that comparison game. Yeah. And it's a no-win situation because I'm not him. He's not me. And then I have my life to live. And that. Um, but it's, it's a constant balance for me. I'll give you a quick realization that made me just like drop all that was I call it the zero to one moment. And mathematically, right? The difference between zero and one is infinite. Mm-hmm. So I went through a lot of my life doing that same thing where I'd be like, yeah, man, like Bill Gates, he's like, there's no way I would ever catch up to someone like that. You know, like it's, how do you even, you know, compare yourself? And then there were times too, because I'm into, you know, astronomy and like study of the universe, our scale is so puny, right? Like mm -hmm. what am I compared to all of this? Mm -hmm. But the moment that you then deepen into the understanding that you're it mm -hmm. and it's you, mm -hmm all that drops away like their successes are your successes mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so just be yourself that is it also simplifies purpose for me right like mm -hmm. it's it's for me purpose is like yes you can have a high purpose but ultimately mm -hmm. the simplicity of it all is that your whole life is is technically perfect it, mm -hmm. it is an expression of the all mm -hmm. um and so be the best you you can be that sounds cliche but like man it it, it it actually had an effect on my abundance because I no longer was viewing from scarcity. The moment you view others, mm -hmm. right, there is scarcity because it's not you. Mm -hmm. um, and I love the Upanishads. They say, wherever there is other, there is fear. Mm. And one of my laws of abundance is to, to get away from fear mm -hmm. and doubt. Mm -hmm. These two things cloud like our ability to create these kind of things in the moment. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. You're it, man. You always were. I just forgot. I'm it. I always was. I just forgot. Yeah. So that's actually another thing that's uh, that I love about the book. Um, 
so even with all of the spiritual readings about you know how we are all one from a scientific understanding of it from a spirituality understanding of it from the place of hey everything uh, we have a little bit of all our ancestors within us yes just by the pure uh, scientific calculation of the oxygen molecules coming in and out so we have a little bit of Genghis Khan sure, so sure. we have a little bit of Confucius Martin Luther King even Jesus Christ sure. right so having these mental models allows me to um, keep that in mind that we're all one yes that we are the collective whole that this is this collective organism called the, the earth ecosystem is it so that actually helps me think about this without uh, thinking how Ray and I were separate human beings, we're different individuals, his, his own thing and I'm on my own thing. So that helps me kind of think about all of this. Beautiful. Yeah. So going back to what you were sharing earlier, how do you concretize the abundance mindset around, because you talked about um, increasing awareness, right, as a way to uh, tap into flow. How do you actually do that concretely? <sighs> this may or may not be relevant to the uh, hyper-visualization that you talked about. Well, uh, let's start there. And, mm -hmm. and I would say this is, you know, not necessarily the easiest practice. But I think, you know, there is effort involved, right? Mm -hmm. um, so with respect to what we were talking about with the out-of-body experience, what was profound about that is that basically you can call the out-of-body experience like a, a, a little bit more vivid version of lucid dreaming. Mm -hmm. And lucid dreaming is fascinating because humans have been doing it uh, for thousands of years. Aristotle had a, a saying that, you know, when one dreams, one sometimes knows one is dreaming. So, you know, as, as far back as one of our great ancient philosophers of Greece, you know, there's these accounts of being aware in the dream state. And yet, in, in the modern era, like in the 1900s, people were saying that it wasn't real. Like psychologists were saying that people were backwards rationalizing. And then in, I think like 1967, uh, Stephen LeBurge proved scientifically that lucid dreaming is a thing. He did this through eye movements that were like signaling. You, you, you can control your eyes in, in the dream state, but he was hooked up to uh, uh, instruments that recorded that he's clearly in a sleep state through the, the rapid eye movement and other factors and the brain waves. And yet he was controlling his eyes in a very specific way. It was almost like Morse code from the dream. So I just wanted to say that because it, it's important, I think, for people who might be purely scientific materialists listening that to understand that, you know, there's, there's ways in which science can actually help us prove these things that for thousands of years might have seemed like total woo to a lot of people. Anyway, uh, I came out of this and I thought, wow, that is profound because the out-of-body experience, the, a deep lucid dream actually feels more real than real, okay? Mm -hmm. And that is a profound thing to think. So one of the things I learned is that in lucid dream, you can, uh, there's all these skills you can practice. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of them was to actually meditate in the dream state. Mm -hmm. Now, Prior to this, I wasn't a person who really did meditation. I, in college, I'd been turned on to the Silva mind control method, and I, I did a little bit of that. But I never got into any deep meditative states. I never had any kind of non-duality. I tried a few meditations. Um, but the Tibetan dream yogis say that a uh, practice done in the dream state is 
nine times more powerful mm. than that done in the waking. And since you and I were just talking about hacking and getting there the fastest, mm. this is a nitro way to get to, you know, that unity consciousness without any kind of like intermediate substance. Mm. Um, so I learned from this guy, uh, Jurgen Zewi, some of his books are on my shelf, mm. uh, to say the word Om in the dream state. Mm. So, uh, you know, this presupposes that someone listening would try to have a lucid dream. Mm. And I can say really quickly that the, the way to do that, uh, the easiest way, the most powerful way is to do something called wake back to bed. Mm. Uh, and there's the acronym uh, WBTB, I guess. Look it up, wake back to bed. Mm. And it increases the chances of having a lucid dream over normal chance by 20 times. And this mm. has just been scientifically proven, mm. um, again, by LaBerge, who's a Stanford PhD. And um, so, yeah. So now let's presuppose you've done your work. You wake up in the middle of the night, 4 a.m., you stay up for 30 minutes, you set strong intention to uh, be aware in your dream state, mm. and then you go back to sleep and you something is odd about the dream and you suddenly go, wait, oh, okay, this is a dream. Mm -hmm. And then as I say, it's game on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because at that moment you can, it's like you take control of the reality that you're in. Mm -hmm. right? And I think of it as like a holodeck for the, for the way real life is. It just mm -hmm. seems that there's a greater time delay between our, our thoughts and our intentions in, in waking life mm -hmm. than there is in the dream state. So in the dream state, you can literally like create stuff. I, one of my big hacks for, for uh, biohacking as a man is, is using pine pollen tincture which was discovered by this guy, Stephen Herbuner, mm. as, a, as a, not discovered, but he basically popularized it as a way to give men a, a you know, a sort of bioidentical uh, phytotestosterone. Mm. And so in my dream state, I manifested a bottle of that. Mm -hmm. I, and so it just popped on the table. Mm -hmm. And I took some of the tincture, and the next day I added 20 pounds to my squats. Mm. Um, so there's a kind of hack, right, on the, on the physical level. Mm. But the dream state can be used for spiritual advancement. And this is what the Tibetan dream yogis figured out. Mm. You can even go so far as to become enlightened. One of the, I believe, the Karmapas uh, achieved his enlightenment through the dream state. So what happened, uh, I, he said to say Om. And I, you know, I wasn't someone who spent a lot of time saying Om. Mm -hmm. uh, and I tried it before. And what happens, right? Let's say Om right now. Om. Okay, what happened? Not, not a lot. Mm -hmm. We feel good. Mm -hmm. Well, in this particular lucid dream, I flew around uh, and I sat on some lava rocks and I, I got into lotus position and I just said, Om. Mm. And the Om, without the intention of it, became hyper-resonant. Mm. It became extremely powerful to where it was vibrating the substrate of the dream. Mm. So the rocks, the, these iridescent, beautiful rocks. I mean, I just remember it like it was yesterday because, again, it's more real than real. It's, just, it's, 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 mm -hmm. it's indescribable beauty. But they and the water and then my whole being started vibrating with this ohm. Mm. And then that ohm vibrated the, the visual existence of that entirely away. Mm. There was nothing but this ohm and then it went into this fractal mandala realm where i was just seeing like hyper geometry mm. so you know event entering deeper into the uh you know the divine imagination and then even all that fell away mm. and there was only this luminous 
you know, what, what, the, what I think, you know, the, the, uh, the Tibetans call the, the clear light, this primordial substance or this primordial energy, or, you know, it, it defies any kind of logic thing I can tell you right now, but mm. it's, it's, you know, it's self without an object. It's, it's, it's consciousness without an object. Mm. Um, I've been there before. I right. Understand what you okay. Mean. Right. Yeah. Right. It's it's impossible to describe. Yeah. It's it's ineffable, um, yeah. but beautiful and, and life transforming. And this can come from going to a dream state and essentially, you know, either commanding the scaffolding to go away. Uh, William Bullman says, you know, use this command, higher self now. <laughs> you just mm. say that in the dream state, mm. and a lot of times, just poof, it just knocks it away. Mm. Om for whatever reason. Every time I've said Om, like profound things happen it don't, i don't always go to just pure source but it 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 always destroys the uh call it the illusion of the dream itself mm. which is in a way what you know the spiritual traditions are telling us that that this reality is it, it has that illusion like quality mm. um but yet at the same time it's beautiful and we we should be here we should want to be here we should enjoy it you know mm. and that's there's that chop wood carry water thing right we're, we're here to bring something back um so what i realized is that this this skill of visualization though is 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 combined with strong feeling and emotion and intent does seem to manifest things into real life right mm. and so uh you know after that I, I came to do a little bit deeper meditation and in fact i went crazy deep i uh <clears throat> i found this website uh, advanced yoga practices uh, aypsite.org Mm -hmm. And uh, all these things that are extremely esoteric in terms of uh, yoga practices. There's one I learned where it's it's a it was a mudra that was kept secret, mm -hmm. and it's basically you take your tongue and you stick it up your nasal passage, mm -hmm. like from behind the the, the pharynx and, and the uvula. You go back up and you like start tickling these sensitive areas, and I don't know, you know, I don't know that science knows what's going on, but this really like deepens meditation. Um, you, you can go into samadhi directly through that. Mm. Um, so th th there's like, yeah, profound practices. You just, you do some asanas first, you do some pranayama, and then you, you know, you do like get into these mudra positions. And that's one of the ways in which, you know, I, I got into deep meditative states before I even, you know, could crawl. I <laughs> just, Having had a, I, I think it's it's useful to have some kind of profound altered state to know what's possible. Mm. A lot of people, as a benchmark, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, stealing fire, great book, right? They they talk mm -hmm. about the ways in which you can get to that call it goal, but there's actually, uh, you know, I think they gave a mathematic equation to kind of show that, you know, let's say one spent thirty years of meditation, this is absolutely the safest way to go, mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily going to produce the result. It could take 30 years for some people, mm -hmm. other people, whatever. It could be the first time they sit down on the mat. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and on the high end, uh, I've never experienced this, but I've read books about, you know, people doing five MEO DMT, for example, mm -hmm. and that just obliterates your ego. You're one with God. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, in most instances, some people use the ego to fight that. But, mm -hmm. um, on the other hand, there is the potential that your heart will stop during that. You know, <laughs> and you die. <laughs> right. So, that's like you can go instantly with mm -hmm. risk, mm -hmm. you know, or and so there's all these intermediate states, ways to get to the what they call ecstasis, mm -hmm. you know, um, and so I think it's it's a different journey for every person, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, with respect to you know going 
into your meditation, then however deeply you can get to visualize, right? And it's, it's a skill. So imagine, you know, your ideal future in a, in a relaxed state, right? Like, so I'm sitting here in, in Seiza position. If I close my eyes and just center and breathe, and then it's okay to be a little selfish, right? To like go ahead and, 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 and visualize your, your ideal life, whatever that is for you. Mm-hmm. Does that mean a lot of money? Fine. Mm-hmm. No judgment, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're here to be a creator on this earth. Mm-hmm. Um, ideally, I think that, you know, at the end of the day, it's about how can you serve? So once mm-hmm. you get that money, mm-hmm. you know, what are you going to do with it? Right. You're not going to take it with you. So like get as much money as you want and then like give it all away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so yeah, uh, you also asked me, I think, uh, like how to get into flow, or what were some of the other things we were trying to discuss. I, I, uh, I am, I can totally ramble, as you as you can see here. No, it was perfect. It was great. Uh, we talked about increasing consciousness, and then we got into the dream state. Uh, then, then that was that. Actually, one of the beautiful things I, if you take away from this conversation, <clears throat> I actually am blessed with the ability to lucid dream at will. Wow. Beautiful. But I didn't know what to do with that. Maybe that's but, why we're here. <laughs> right. But, but, in, in, but, but in this conversation, they're like, oh, yeah, I could actually use the dream state, the lucid dream state as a way to kind of like the, the matrix, the dojo, to practice hyperactively. Getting the goosebumps. Buddy. Yeah. So awesome. To, to visualize the reality that I want to create for myself, for others, you know, um, to uh, deepen my, my, my personal practice, whether it be spiritual practice or whether it be certain skill set that I want. Boxing is an example. That's something oh, I'm doing. Right so now. good at boxing through lucid dreaming. Yeah. So good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so thank you for that. Sure. Uh, that that opened my, my, my door for how I can use this superpower for, for yeah. You literally have a superpower in that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it takes most people conscious effort to, to lucid dream. Uh, a lot of my lucid dreaming has been cut off in the last two years because the prime time dream time occurs at the last two hours of your sleep cycle. Mm. And I get up before six to trade the markets. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, you, you've got, man, like if we weren't one, I would be quote unquote jealous of your ability. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. But please feel free to draw on me as a, as a resource. I, as one of the things I used to do, I was, I used to teach uh, live workshops on how to have the auto body experience. Oh, look at it. After she did that, I was like, this is a gift that I can give to the world, you know? Oh, and, uh, wow. I know a lot about it. I actually run a, uh, a uh, Facebook group called Astral Projectors, and we've got something like 2,000 plus people, and some of the, the top authors are in there on that. And yeah, it's, it's just a, a, a beautiful gift, yeah. So actually, on that note, because I know that you have changed careers multiple times, yeah. uh, you were at one point a pickup artist, and sure. then you share uh, education content yeah. around that. Yeah. And then now you are a day trader. And yeah. then now you also run a men's group. You also, um, you know, participate. In, anyways, you are many. You are a resource of many, many things. So in that question, how did you pick trading as your dharma or your path? You know, I, I will say that uh, I didn't pick it. It, it picked me. Um, you know. I really would like to emphasize to people that once you're sort of in that abundance mentality, don't try to force the way that it's going to come to you, huh. right? Let your natural proclivities and synchronicity bring you to where you are and trust the process. So in brief, 
uh, when I married my wife, the one thing she, her parents didn't like because they're Asian and I'm white, uh, was that I didn't own real estate. <laughs> <laughs> and so we got into, I learned all about investing in commercial real estate, blah, blah, blah. They were, on the other hand, skeptic of investing in stocks because they're not a real thing. Mm. And so her essential you know view of the world was that it's dangerous maybe she had people who blew up in stocks i don't know but like to honor sort of those wishes i focused on that and st stayed away from uh day trading long story short uh there came a point about two and a half years ago where her brother was uh separating from his partner and there was like a lot of financial concern around that and i just said to her you know what Babe, like, let me, let me trade stocks. You know, I'd said to you before I wouldn't, but let me do it. This is something I feel like can, can work. And so it wasn't any kind of like, oh, I, you know, I, I want to be a day trader. I was just like, in that moment, there was need. And I tried it and things went well. And then they went better. And then they went even better. And I made a believer out of her pretty quickly. And then uh, I literally thought to myself, you know, this is a great way to prove what I've written in my book and just like, you know, take some of the talents I have already and see how they are magnified by this kind of abundance thinking. Mm. And on the face of it, it doesn't seem very, you know, spiritual or whatever, but I sit there at times and I... Spiritual? What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, a lot of people would say that, you know, spiritual is, is sitting in a, a meditation closet or going out and feeding the homeless or whatever, but like I get into flow states by trading, right? Mm. Uh, you know, some of the triggers, you've probably talked with people about the triggers of flow, but you know, uh, one of them are high stakes. So I'm trading my own money and, uh, they're, they're real time feedback. Mm. And so I do something, I see how it works. I maneuver and mm. I compensate in all real time. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I would just say that, you know, when you're, when you're looking for, for purpose, uh, and 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 for you know a way to quote unquote make abundance be open to what your your innate skills are and then just synchronicity so I, I would say in this case the synchronicity that allowed this was need you know we were in a situation where, where her brother was you know likely gonna have to pay hundreds of thousands in in, in divorce uh, stuff and he actually did mm. And, you know, my wife was concerned about money at that time. And I, I felt we had no need. I mean, I grew up in the ghetto of Taos, New Mexico, brother. Mm. Like, I, where we are now, as you look out around us, right? Like, this is this Amazing. is my version of paradise. Like, mm. I, we could go higher, but I don't care. Like, this is, this is the contrast between when I was young, living in, in a, in a government-subsidized housing ghetto. Mm -hmm. you know? um, but, yeah, I, I, just, I just went with the flow, brother. Like... Mm. I saw it was working and I continued to do that. And it's been the most financially lucrative thing I've ever done in my life mm. by far, mm. uh, even owning and selling a business. Mm. And the freedom is, is uneclipsed by anything. Well, when I had a business, I had a business partner, but even if I'd owned my own business, you have customers mm. in day trading within about two minutes, I can go to all cash mm. and I could go live the rest of my life in, in, you know, Thailand right now and live off the interest of what I've got, you know, mm -hmm. I do it because it is my way of generating abundance. And I'm, I've been, uh, you know, better able to give back financially to, to my loved ones and people I see on the street and, you know, mm -hmm. the charities that we give to it's, uh, 
it's not the game. Mm-hmm. This money thing. It's I, I view money, by the way, as a, as a neurotransmitter of humanity. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, it's an enabler, and mm. uh, so wherever the intent behind it is, is is what it's going to do, and that can be good or bad. But um, yeah, from the non-dual perspective, I just I don't I don't view things like in a has to be this way or has to be that way. Just mm. kind of go with the flow. Yeah. So little recap. So what I hear is you follow the flow. It was effortless for you. You saw immediate return right away. And you also follow your internal state. You got into flow states doing that. Yes. So these two things were a good benchmark for you to say, hey, this is something that I want to continue doing. I enjoyed it. I'm good at it. And I'm going to continue to do it. Simple, yes. Yeah, thank you. That's beautiful. I think for a lot of people who are looking at the questions of purpose and also finding a mission that enable them to continue to serve the purpose, I think the, the maybe struggle is the word, maybe grappling is the word. You know, there's the logical side of thinking, um, well, there's a learning curve. Mm. I mean, the struggle like, as a way to get over the hump. That one day, someday, it may become effortless. But maybe this is just part of life. The struggle is real, and I'm mm. going to continue to do yeah, that. Yeah. Versus the spiritual side of you may say, hey, let me follow flow. Let me just surrender and see what comes through me. And I think the, 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 the duality of it is the grapple, right? I think what you've demonstrated here is you just trusted. There's a need. Let me throw something at the wall and hey there's positive feedback i also enjoyed it i'm just gonna follow this path versus trying to struggle and find something logically and do a reductive type of approach right yes and you know as you were speaking about that i i I realized one component that i would also add and that was true for me and i didn't think about it as much when i was describing this but a lot of times your greatest motivation can come from wanting to help others. In this case, mm-hmm. the financial thing was simply, I love my wife, I love my brother-in-law, mm-hmm. and I want to help them. Mm-hmm. And when, when, when you come from a position of love and a desire to help others, that's when, call it, you know, the universe source, whatever, rewards, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, uh, how do you get rich? Figure out how to help the most people, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So find whatever gifts you have and don't be judgmental as to like how it manifests as to how to give because i mean again sometimes i i i I try to disclaim this uh, because i know some people don't resonate with the the cliches but there's a truth to the fact that you're perfect as you are Mm -hmm. and your path is your path and and you know it does not have to be in any way prescribed, you know? And in fact, most of us actually like surprises, right? Mm-hmm. Who doesn't like a surprise, like a nice surprise, right? Nice surprise. Nice surprise, right? Yeah, bad surprise you don't like. Well, yeah. you know, but you can also learn to, to turn those into good surprises, right? Like I, mm-hmm. one of my, one of my uh, laws of abundance is channeling the negative to the positive. Mm-hmm. What we call negative is just a different form of energy. Mm. Right. So if you take a certain negative, you as a creator have the ability to channel that energy, just like the, the two terminals of a battery. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, until they're connected, there is no flow. 
Mm -hmm. right? So again, from the non-dual perspective, what is negative? Well, it's actually just part of the whole dance. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, you know, basically that, that's a big component is literally we're all one and we're all here to, uh, you know, in, in my guess, uh, evolve. And, and I, I, I would say, I would share this, consider your own meta purpose. All right. And, and this, this, for me, it, it, it took so much of the pressure off to think this way, but it's that my purpose is simple. Like the base purpose is mm. be myself, express myself. Mm. And then the purpose of my being here in this, call it incarnation, whatever you want to call it, is to, to learn to love and be loved. Mm. Right. And there'll be different ways that happens throughout our life. But as mm. long as that's continually happening, I'm on purpose. Mm. And it, it's so easy actually, right? Like I see someone on the street. I love that person. Mm. I wake up and my wife's next to me. I love her. Mm. I allow myself to be loved by her. Mm. And I try to deepen into that every day. And that's not a thing that some of the greatest pleasures and, and, and the greatest human uh, experiences are democratic. Mm. You don't need to be a CEO making, you know, a million a year to have it. Mm. These things are the, they're the stuff of being human, mm. right? And so... They're the juice. The juice. Yeah. You know? Uh, and so once you focus on those as the core purpose, then you have... I like to talk about feed forward loops and feed backward loops. Right? Okay. So if you know you're accomplishing your purpose there, mm. then positivity is engendered right mm. so as i am being more loving as i am being loved as i am just being myself that sense of accomplishment then translates into the other things that i want to do call it the higher purposes mm. i'll elucidate my higher purposes for you but i don't i don't smack myself around if i'm not doing those in like a grand gesture every day mm -hmm. my my two meta purposes my larger purposes are to help humanity move away from the ingrained scarcity thinking that is even literally into, it's part of our nervous system, right? There's the amygdala and all these things that sort of cause fear and doubt uh, or can cause them uh, and to help them move towards the abundance mentality, right? So mm -hmm. that's why I was in the process of writing this book. That's why I've done all this reading on it. The other is to be a uh, bridge for light to help uh, kind of bring together this gap that I see in the way humanity perceives reality through on the one hand science and the, on the other spirituality. Whereas they're largely in my view, uh, two poles of the same thing. Mm -hmm. Or as Joe Dispenza likes to say, uh, you know, uh, science is the contemporary language of mysticism. Mm -hmm. So those are my two greater purposes and I do work through them. Like I, I was in a documentary recently and we're doing this interview there's small ways in which you can uh, work at your purpose. And then as long as your intent is strong, the ripple effect can be very great. Mm. It's that Marianne Williamson quote that, you know, like a, I won't get it exactly right, but, you know, a small group of people is, is often the greatest way that humanity changes. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for that. I think the challenge here, I mean, that challenge is not the right word. Unpack that a little bit. The 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 the, the challenging actually living that because in saying that that that's truism. Mm. Just be yourself. Right. 
right? Just love and be loved. Yeah. Agree 100%. <clears throat> the challenge in living that, embodying that in the day-to-day -day is the interference that comes in the way, the mental chatters that, well, what should I say to Ray such that you'll like me a little bit more or how do I, you know, you, I, the, 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 the egoic mind, sure, right? Sure, the, right yeah, yeah. The, the intrinsic desire to be liked, to be accepted. Mm. Um, and then, and also it's easy to love someone when they're lovable, when they're loving towards you. But the, the day-to-day -day challenges when, when that person's egoic might show up, they're, they're a little bit more irritable. They're, mm. they're not being their best self. They're tired. They're hungry. Sure, they're, sure. they're being hangry with you. Yeah, yeah. Where you're like, I didn't do anything. Why do I deserve this? And in those moments, in those micro moments is where, in my mind, where how the opportunity to actually be loving when the other Indeed. person is not being lovable. It's easy to love puppies and babies because they don't, <laughs> have anything you know yeah ill will towards you but it's yeah. much more challenging in the day-to-day -day. Do, does, does that make sense it does but then like i welcome that as i hear you say that i'm like bring that bring that bring that mm. that's where the work is that's you so one of the things that i would say you know for those who are now let's say on the other end like mm -hmm. they're all about the spiritual they're like you know i wish i can go on a three-year dream retreat or i could go to the himalayas and sit in a cave mm-hmm the facts of modern life mm -hmm. are that our sadhana, our work, is here in this moment. Mm -hmm. It is those struggles. It is, how do I bring consciousness and love to the onslaught of duality, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My partner wakes up and, in my case, you know, my, my wife will have dreams where I did bad stuff in the dream. <laughs> I have, you know, have a thing where I tell her, like, I'm sorry for the stuff I did, my dream self did last night. And, like... <laughs> Because she's very emotional. She's Shakti. She's like, you know, she takes that stuff kind of seriously. And then we have a fun talk about it and it's done. Um, relationship is, it's, it is the, it's the work. Mm. Welcome that. What, when someone's like on your case, like that's, that's when your ego gets challenged without some kind of medicine, whatever. It's like, you know, uh, you know, there's this book here, uh, the way of the conscious warrior it's not out yet but uh pt misselberger i've learned a lot from him a, i'm part of this uh, uh men's organization called the samurai brotherhood and you know one of the sayings we have is lean forward into the fires of life mm -hmm. lean forward into the fires of life so with that base operating system of like uh wanting to learn to love and be loved it's not saying like look for the easy way mm-hmm you know, love, there's times for you to deepen into it that's going to take what feels like sacrifice and feels like this is the opposite of love. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I don't know if that makes sense, but I feel that very strongly, brother. Like, to, to, to be able to dance in duality is what we're all here for, right? We have mm -hmm. to, like, deal with these 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 things that, that rip our soul apart at times, you know? Mm -hmm. But with that comes the knowledge that we're more than just this, you know, beautiful flesh body that we have. Mm -hmm. we, we, we have a beingness that is beyond that. And mm -hmm. uh, I, yeah, I would just say that for myself, I've come to treasure those moments. They're not mm -hmm. fun in the moment. 
Yeah. But realize that that's the doing the work. You being in the trenches of your everyday life, having a like a domestic first world person problem. Mm. If you if you frame it right, that is the work. That's mm-hmm. that's where you can do your deepest spiritual work. Mm-hmm. Don't hide in, in a cave and in, in in you know. I mean, if if that's your dharma, sure, go ahead. But if you want to advance in this life, do it in each and every moment. This goes back to that equation I was saying, right? Mm-hmm. It's how can you take each chunk of time, break it down smaller and smaller to where your awareness of who you are and what your mission is, is on point, mm-hmm. right? That that presence in each infinitesimally small bit of time. And we forget ourselves from moment to moment, right? Mm-hmm. When I talked about this idea of like remembering that we're awake, um, I think that, you know, as an individual being, we're all waking up at the same time in different stages. And to use Ram Dass's quote, which I love, is that we're all walking each other home. Mm-hmm. And so as you sit there across from the person who's kind of giving you the grief, that person is your teacher. Mm-hmm. In that moment, they're your greatest teacher. When they're triggering you, mm-hmm. bless them. That's awesome. Thank you for triggering me. Thank you. Do you use that as a mantra, as a way to remind yourself? I don't think that I, I, I formalize it as a mantra, but for sure, it's definitely part of my my you know mental model now. Mm-hmm. Is that you know uh, my greatest teachers are those who are able to get me in my ego the most, mm. right? Mm. My, my, my brother-in-law, we were part of this thing. We're doing this ninja training and it was like fight club. We went out on Wednesday night and we're basically sparring in the dark and he's got long physical start, physical sparring, like, mm-hmm. you know, punching, mm-hmm. kicking mm-hmm. in a circle. There's a circle of men watching. It's literally like fight club, except not where you're trying to beat the other guy out. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, but I, what is the intent there? Uh, you know, I, I, for one, it's that I believe, right. That. Um, you have the sovereign right to protect your body. Mm-hmm. Your body is your, you know, call it your God vehicle. It's, it's mm-hmm. you know, uh, and so there's this, there's this uh, eight circuit uh, model of consciousness that Leary and others developed, which I think is really great. But at the, at the base level is, you know, bio survival, right? Mm-hmm. You can equate this to uh, uh, Maslow's Maslow. hierarchy of needs. Mm-hmm. So uh, when one is, trained proficiently in the martial arts, right? We do this quote unquote ninja training, but we're doing mixed martial arts, but we're also doing Zen meditation, Taoist meditation. We're doing, uh, you know, all these practices to connect to our uh, energy body and through the martial arts. There is something to be gained from having a proficiency in knowing that you can defend your physical vehicle for experiencing this reality in any given moment. Um, so, I won't go into too, too deep of that, but just to finish the story, like he got pretty aggressive, you know, he was triggered. Uh, I have a black belt in judo and he told me later that like he was somewhat afraid. And so he kind of went from what we were supposed to be doing, quote unquote, 10% to like well over 50%. <laughs> and I got a finger in the eye the first time and I was like, ah, but then I shook, shook it off. And then Later, he actually punched me in the lip. And I don't know if you can see, it's like healing now, but I got a fat lip and everything. And like, I basically lost my shit for a bit. I was mm-hmm. like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> and then I realized, wow, I said that before I thought. Mm. I didn't, I wasn't aware in the moment. Mm. And later I had a big hug with him. We just like melted into love, hugging each other. And I was like, mm. thank you, brother, for that. Mm. 
Um, so that's just one small example, but the more you can bring yourself back to yourself and ideally the deeper self, mm. <laughs> um, the more progress you're making, right? It's, I think the ego is, it's a great ally. You know, a lot of people try to like denigrate it. Like, oh, I want right. to get rid of my ego. The ego death. The, e the ego is yeah. what... The ego must die. The ego is what allows unity to perceive itself as multiplicity. It's part of the thing that, that Source wanted to do. Mm. So value it. But at the same time, most of us are absolutely ignorant of our deeper self. So we should be doing the work to find that. But... Mm -hmm. It's always a dance. I find myself going into, you know, states of higher consciousness and I'm like, I'm loving it. Like there's the amazing cosmic light show. There's, you know, uh, concepts that I think, you know, only exist in that realm that we can bring back here. And then I actually, in some ways, like tire of it. Tire of what? Of being in that state. The super consciousness yeah. state. Okay. Because you're supposed to chop wood, carry water. You're supposed to go there. Mm-hmm bring back the messages of love, of unity, of, of, mm -hmm. or even the great scientific inventions. I mean, I see things there, brother, that like, I don't know how to bring back, mm -hmm. right? I'm just like, oh, that's how black holes work. Uh, I get it. I get it. Mm -hmm. And then I come back. I'm like, I don't get it. Mm -hmm. I don't have the, the mathematical skills yet developed to like bring back what I saw. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, there's, there's that chop wood, carry water thing there. Mm. Thank you for that. Oh, and, and to say, by the way, is that, you know, in some of my deepest states, I'm like, I'm seeing infinite infinities, right? It just goes on and on. There's no end. But it's so almost overwhelming, right? And then in those moments, that's where I really got the download that presence and, and love, like all I wanted when, when I had the whole universe, all right, infinite possibilities open to me. There came a moment when all I wanted to do was come back to look in my, my wife's eyes and just be present with her. Mm. And, and this is the message I'd like to impart because I feel it was one of like the deep downloads I got was when you as source consciousness, right, your deeper self is able to experience all infinite possibilities, then how special does that make when you choose this one right now? Mm-hmm. Right, you and I sitting across from each other right now mm -hmm. is chosen by us. Mm -hmm. Out of all possible infinities, mm -hmm. that makes it truly precious. Mm -hmm. And so, every precious moment that you have is like mathematically amazingly precious because you chose it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know if that landed, but that that to me was so deep. I like I, that's how I understood presence. Was like, yeah, you could be doing anything. Mm -hmm. You chose this right now. Mm -hmm. So much love in that. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank and you. And choosing this moment to share it with, with me, with us. Oh, it's been beautiful, man. Yeah. Um, so my teacher, Satyan Raja. Ah, yes. Uh, one of the, the brothers, the spiritual teachers in the British Columbia area. Beautiful. I know so much about him, but I've never met him. And uh, yeah. I think as a result of what you told me this morning, I, I have to uh, definitely meet him, yeah. meet him, check him out. He's, he's the real deal. Yes. Yeah. Just like you. So you emphasize again, uh, over and over in our training that are your deepest wounds is your, the source of your greatest gift. Mm -hmm. And the underlying caveat is that you don't, you don't get that automatically. You get the gift after you integrate the whole thing, mm. after you integrate the polarities. 
Um, so my, my, my point of emphasizing on the challenge, because that is the work. Because oftentimes you hear everyone say, yeah, just love in the biblical sense, in the you know, theologian sense, mm. or in the cliche sense. But I think the difficulty lies in that the space between stimulus and response, mm. right? Because you can choose out of the infinite number <laughs> of choices. You mm. can get angry, you can get resentful, you can get jealous, you can do this, this, and that. Or, and or you can, as you said, as a way to train yourself, be more loving, embrace the opportunity, step into that fire, and be more generous. Because it requires zero effort to do the resentment, angry, you know, withhold and whatever, right? It requires zero effort. Right. <laughs> At least for me, I can't speak for it's you. Instinctual. It's instinctual. Yeah, it's in exactly. But it requires a little bit more awareness, a little bit more effort to like, oh, out of this infinite number of choices that I have, let me be more generous. Let me be more forgiving. Let me be more present and treasure this moment because it is true in this infinitesimal number of choices that I have. How do I, if I look at it in the material sense, maximize the opportunity of this moment? Yeah. Right. Well, I'll riff on that a bit because, you know, in the term of maximization, think of it. Uh, we all make thousands and thousands and thousands of reactions and decisions a day. And if you optimize each of those, let's just talk on a theoretical level. Like if you made the best decision right now, right? The best decision for you was to drink that warm water as you just did. Maybe there was a better one. And if had you done that, then you followed that by the optimal decision and followed that by the optimal decision. It leads to massive compounding, right? So this is why I was talking about that delta T. Delta means change in time, right? The smaller you can make the interval in which you make decisions, and these can be like decisions of, of, of being, of how you are, but they can also be very concrete things. Someone calls you, you know, someone cuts you off in traffic, whatever. You have that, if you're aware, you have the decision to, you know, not retaliate, which could land you in a lot of trouble, for example. Or you have the decision to just, you know, breathe through it and say, thank you, teacher, and move on. Uh, so, yeah, bringing that awareness to all of your decisions, right? This is where we become incredible creators of our reality, right? When we're present to the moment, the moment is always the moment, right? The moment is always right. It may not feel right from how you thought you wanted things to be but it's the moment. So deal with the moment as it is. And again, as I say, like, you know, lean forward into those things that appear as fire, right? Um, one of the lucid dreaming practices is actually to manifest fire and then walk into it. Right? Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally. Like, I'll try that tonight. Uh, you know, or to manifest an alligator and jump in. So basically, you might be familiar with uh, shamanic dissolution, this idea, like a lot of times people who do ayahuasca, for example, get eaten by spiders or, you know, just ground up. That's the ego. It's like the ego needs a, a visceral way to experience itself as getting kind of thrashed around. Mm. I had an autobiotic experience once uh, where 
I got sucked into, I guess what I, in retrospect, I had to view as the, uh, the, the black hole at the center of the Milky Way. It happened on, uh, the solstice where the full moon was in Sagittarius, which is my birth sign. And, uh, I didn't realize this until later, but you know, I got like, I basically felt my body yanked out of my body, stretched infinitely large, and then shot out at the speed of light into a violet colored black hole. And man, I had to just surrender in that moment. I was scared. I was like, oh, this is not where I want to be. Like, this is horrible. And to feel essentially the, the crushingness of gravity obliterate the, you know, sense of a body, <laughs> um, was kind of rough, but I'm still here with you now, you know? Mm. Um, so whether it be in a altered state of consciousness or just in day to day life, the ego is kind of like a, a, a an onion and it we peel away layers and we do that through challenge um, you know I, I would just refer people to you know the works of Gurdjieff which is where let's say it this way that that the universe will bring you challenges if you're not seeking them yourself <laughs> so better to be proactive like I go to the gym I work out till I'm sore you know I, I go into the forest and fight in a circle of guys I'm like saying hey you know let, let me bring it to myself. You're you know? choosing this actively, yeah, choose, actively choosing a challenge, accidentally. Oh yeah, because bestowed on you. I'm telling you, it's worse when you don't when you don't go for it and you just sit there passively. Life is going to bring you some challenges. I saw this in the case of my brother-in-law. He had written a post on Facebook where he's like. I'm in the in the apartment I wanted to be in. I'm living in the area I wanted to live in. I'm with the partner I wanted to be with. I'm making the kind of money I wanted to. I'm driving the car I wanted to. These were all sort of like, you know, average kind of like, this is the goal. His life was idyllic, man. He'd never had like, you know, a physical fight. He'd never like wanted for money. Like everything was perfect. And I'll tell you what. His ex was like, he likes to describe it as like gone girl without the, the murder. What finally happened after 10 years of being with her. Life gobsmacked him. And he's a much more powerful, much more creative human being now, having been through that trauma. But it's, it's all like the hero's journey, brother, right? Like when we're in duality, duality is going to bring duality. Mm. <laughs> it's just part of the, the process. Mm. And sure, if you want, like, go sit in a cave and, and, you know, you can get out of duality for a while, for sure. Mm. But uh, for myself, I choose to, well, to that extent, try to face forward into the fires of life. It's always going to be part and parcel of, of this. Mm. But when you, when you have the right mindset to both uh, somewhat welcome it and transfigure it, right, transform it, mm. uh, as Ken Wilber will say, you know, to take a, you know, transcend and include mm. you're gonna have to a lot of people are just looking to transcend mm -hmm. right like i just uh, want a high experience yeah the astral projection dude so like when i started having those astral projections i was sitting in my closet doing like two hours of meditation a day at times and my wife's like what's going on you know mm -hmm. like we gotta we gotta we gotta be in the world <laughs> so it helps also to find people to ground you in those cases but mm -hmm. there's always a continuum i believe like mm -hmm. You know, don't be a person who's, you know, 100% scientific materialist. Like, you know, I'm just here to make money and like get mine. On the other hand, you know, 
the, the, the just, I'm going to wink out of existence. That's going to happen to you at death anyway. Mm-hmm. Get ready, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Now, in the meantime, while you're here, <laughs> make the best of it. Yeah, enjoy the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. So let's do a quick summary. Sure. <clears throat> so for anyone listening, we, we cover a lot of ground in this time that we spend together. What's one thing that people can take action about this? If they're inspired by your story, by your mindset, if they're interested, if their intention mm-hmm. is to cultivate this abundance mentality, what's one thing that they can take on from hearing your story The mental model, first off, just get it in your brain however you can that abundance is your birthright. Mm. You are a creator from source. You are source. So start acting like it. Like I challenge whoever's listening. Challenge. You talked about challenge. That's it. Start challenging yourself to be the leading edge of creation that you are. Mm. Stop playing small. If you're playing small, if you're playing small and you know it, Stop playing small. Hmm. Whatever that means to you, I don't know, right? If, if, it's, if it's that you want to be a better singer and to transmit, you know, higher consciousness to people through your singing, step it up. Drop the ego. The ego is usually what's standing in the way of something like that. Hmm. Get in there. Like, literally just get in the fight, as it were, right? Like, I don't know if that's the best word, but um, just know. Step that, into the arena. Yeah. yeah. And know and trust that, like, it's all going to be okay. Um, I know there's the platitude side of that. So I know you're, you're asking for something more concrete, but I think that for me, brother, it takes effort, man. I, I spend 55 hours base on my stock trading a week. Mm. Like I do the work. Mm. A lot of people are afraid to do the work. Mm. Like you're a co-creator in all of this, right? So what I talk about in my book is, is that like a lot of people in, in abundance, they get stuck on that idea of like, you know, the, the, the famous phrase is get checks in the mail, you know. Um, that can and does happen, right? But what I like to say is that abundance is a skill, right? So if you wanted to be an engineer, you'd spend four or five years as we did. In my case, buried in an in a underground library, literally learning stuff to do the stuff you're supposed to do. Right? Mm, mm, mm. You don't just sit there and go, I'm an engineer. <laughs> I see myself as an amazing engineer. I know <laughs> mathematics. All right. You know, you go and you actually apply these, call it God given talents that you have. Mm. Right. And you cultivate them as if they were plants in a garden. Right, And you are the master alchemist, right? This is what Wim Hof says. I love this thing. You're the master alchemist. You literally, by your thoughts and feelings, create like, you know, these goosebumps that you're seeing on my arms right now. This is for me connecting to who I am and like actually instantiating into the world my ability to create. And you've got to get that at the base level that that's who you are at essence. Mm-hmm you're this leading edge of creation. And if you're not doing it, that's, that's where you're off purpose, mm. but it doesn't that's have where to, you're hiding out. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be pre- prescribed by someone else. Mm. If your thing is water coloring, if it's, if it's Tibetan throat toning, if it's becoming CEO of the next Google, that's you creating in this way. Mm. So really identify yourself. I would say this, create a new identity for yourself. Mm. If you're playing small, 
then that's an identity that, that you've chosen. Mm. Or, or you could try to like pawn it off and say that it's something outside of you, but mm. no, man, like you've created everything that's, that's in your life on some level. It's mm. hard to think, right? Because if you've got disease or whatever, but honestly, like you have to shift your core identity from, oh, poor small me mm. to, wow, like I'm the leading edge of evolution. Mm-hmm. Wow, am I am I am I honoring this gift? You know, the Buddhists say that there's no greater gift than to be born into a human body. Mm-hmm. Right. So through their vision of reincarnation, it's like you know you could have been born a dog, you could have mm-hmm. been born a slug, or you could have been a rock, like whatever. There, it's only quote unquote in this human vehicle that we even have the chance to become enlightened. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not sure I, I buy that per se, but it's a beautiful frame. Mm-hmm. To think like, you're it. As mm. Alan Watts says, you're mm. it. Mm. Then what are you doing with that? Mm. Right? So, so really identify in a different way. Is, is, mm. And then, again, it's like a, a rock dropping into water. Right? Mm. There's that energy of that identification as something greater than poor me, ego, this sucked, that all things are happening wrong to me. To, wow, I can ripple out mm. through my every moment conscious decision. Mm. You know, so, so bring some meditation into that sit daily in the quietness of trying to figure out who you are and actively architect the kind of abundance you want in life. Like I like to refer to myself as an, uh, uh, abundance architect. Mm. I love the little alliteration there, but that's my identity that I've chosen for myself. Mm. So if you ask me who I am, one of the answers might be. I'm an abundance architect, right? Mm. So I've created an identity for myself that all the other stuff becomes easy, right? So you got to have the, a certain mental model, right? Mm. So ask yourself right now, what is the mental model I want to have for who I am in this world? Mm. And then choose the highest version. And even if it feels uncomfortable, like clothes that are too big for you, grow into it. I love that. <laughs> so with that said, for people who are inspired by your story, by your mental model, by the way you think, by the way you transmit the universal energy through you, where can people find you? Is there a website? Is there an Instagram? Is there a Facebook? Like where, where do you want people to go and follow up with Ray's point of view? You know, there is no such thing at present. Um, you know, I, there was a point where I was trying to sell this book online or whatever. I took it offline. Let's make that part of my challenge for, you know, part two to maybe, uh, you know, get the book out and about um really yeah yeah Mm. my purpose today is is literally to uh to just serve uh and and you know i there's no thing i have for offer right now whether it's a book or anything like my abundance is uh it's it's there already right like i i don't need anything like that but um Mm. on the other hand you know there's a sense of like when when you say that uh how can i put these ideas out into the world more i i need to get on that um, mm. So I will take that as a challenge. Beautiful. We'll leave that to part two. I mean, I really want to acknowledge you. I am acknowledging you, Ray, for being here and share so generously from the studies of your life, from the academic to the uh, economical to, <laughs> to the esoteric mm. to spirituality. Mm. Really, really appreciate how you show up. Really appreciate how you transmit the wisdom of your ways 
in the tactics that you have cultivated that you have figured out throughout the you know, your lifetime and um, more to come. Can't wait to co-create with you the next one. Thank Thanks you so much for being here.